Welcome to the week 14 edition of Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. This is Rich Samini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. The Jets went back to being the Jets on Sunday with a 33-18 loss to the Eagles. Their ninth loss, which clinches a losing season for the sixth year in a row. I feel for you, Jet fans. I really do. Just when you see a little light, you have a day like Sunday where the Jets turned Gardner Minshew into Aaron Rodgers. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, we will talk to former Jets quarterback Josh McCown in the second segment. I'm really looking forward to asking Josh about Zach Wilson and some of the other rookie quarterbacks in the league. Josh is coaching his sons these days, but there's no doubt in my mind that he will be back in the NFL as a coach someday. As for the Jets, I think this season has developed into a little bit of a good news, bad news situation. Going into the year, everybody was talking about the P word. I'm talking about progress. Did you think I'm in playoffs? Uh, come on now. This year is about progress. We're seeing it on one side of the ball and we're not seeing it on the other. Now, there are reasons to be optimistic about the offense, offense, which does not stink. You're seeing the development of some young players, which is what this is all about. Elijah Moore, Elijah Vera Tucker, Michael Carter before he got hurt, and Zach Wilson played his best all-around game on Sunday. I mean, I don't think the Pro Football Hall of Fame is going to call for his uniform or anything, but he was solid and seemed to conquer his first-half demons. On Sunday morning in my notes column, I reported that Wilson's first quarter QBR was the lowest in the league since 2000, and he promptly goes out and throws a couple of short TD passes and runs for another and really plays well early in the first half. Two remarkable stats. The Jets scored a TD on their first three possessions for the first time since 2014 at Green Bay. I, I, you may recall that game. They actually ended up losing. And the other remarkable stat, they became the first team to score 18 points on their first three drives. And it was only 18 because of two missed PATs and the failed two-point conversion. The Elias Sports Bureau tracks this stat back to 1978. And no other team had done that, scoring 18 points on their first drive until the Jets. That is so Jets. Anyway, Wilson was not skittish early in the game like he usually is. He hit a couple of gimme passes, too. In fact, he was 17 of 23 under 10 yards, which is 74%. That's a good number. A week ago in Houston, he couldn't throw the ball in the ocean from the shoreline. And Robert Sala said this was, quote, by far, end quote, Wilson's best game in terms of playing within the structure of the offense. I mean, it's not like he had a lot of games to choose from. He made a couple of splash pay plays against Tennessee, but otherwise, he's been disappointing in every other game. But this game, even though he cooled off in the second half, this was a step in the right direction. So at least you have a little hope on offense. And you're seeing a young coordinator in Mike LaFleur who is showing creativity, and aggressiveness, finding different ways to use Elijah Moore and cobbling together some semblance of a running game. I have to admit, I admit it, I thought LaFleur might have been over his head, in over his head at the start of the year, but you can see him growing on the job. Their offensive ranking is up to 21. It was as low as 31, I believe. So imagine what he could do if he had another receiver and another tight end or a tight end 
and if Wilson continues to develop. Uh, speaking of receivers, on Monday we learned that Corey Davis out for the rest of the year. He had core muscle surgery. He aggravated that groin injury against Philadelphia, and now he's done. Another big-name free agent signing done for the year. Of course, it was Carl Lawson in the preseason, and now Corey Davis. The Jets, no luck when it comes to free agent signings. So the offense, that was the half-full look at the Jets. Now for the half-empty, and this defense, man, it is just hard on the eyes. My gosh, I haven't seen a defense this bad in, in all my years of covering in the Jets, and that's saying something. I could list all the bad stats, but the bad stats don't do it justice. This is one of those cases where you let your eyes tell you what you need to know. Yes, they have the youngest defense in the league. That is an absolute fact. You should see improvement, though, as the season goes on. It's not happening. And let me remind you, they've played one of the easiest schedules in terms of opposing offenses. So either Joe Douglas and the personnel department picked picked bad players or the coaches are simply not developing the talent they have. In my opinion, it's mostly a talent issue. Other than C.J. Mosley, Bryce Hall, and maybe Quincy Williams, there's no one in the back seven that I want as my starter next year. The organization loves Michael Carter, the second in the slot. I don't know. He's okay, but they can do better. Ashton Davis, he doesn't have much range for my taste, and he's not a great tackler, which is kind of an important thing for a safety. I wonder if he'd better be better at corner. You know, he is a very good athlete. Elijah, Elijah Riley, a great story, but he got exposed against the Eagles. And so did the coaches. They got out coached by another first-year coaching staff. Now, there was a lot of spinning after the game about whether they prepared for Gardner Minshew. The company line is they, quote, prepared for the Eagles offense, not any one quarterback. I'd buy that if we were talking about two carbon copy quarterbacks, like two dropback quarterbacks, but Minshew and Hurts are different. Jalen Hurts, of course. The only person who gave a candid answer after the game was Bryce Hall, who said, no, they prepared for Hurts. Like what? Everybody knew last Wednesday there was a chance that Hurts wouldn't play because of an ankle injury. In fact, it was even reported that Minshew and Hurts were splitting reps. So how did the Jets prepare for the possibility of Minshew? This wasn't like that game a few years ago in Cleveland where some Jet players admitted they hadn't prepared for Baker Mayfield. I'm sure you guys remember that. But Mayfield came off the bench to replace an injured Tyrod Taylor. At least in that case, it was an in-game injury, which was unpredictable. In this case, the world knew there was a chance for Minshew. Defensive coordinator Jeff Albrecht talked passionately last Thursday about how badly they wanted to stop Philly's running game and how they were gearing up for Hurts. He probably had his guys frothing at the mouth. In the process, he was unwittingly revealing their game plan for the Eagles. The Eagles did something they hadn't done all year. They broke tendencies. They came out and ran two and three tight ends on every play in the opening drive and they scored on that long pass to tight end Dallas Goddard. First time all year. I went back and checked. They're usually a three-wide receiver offense, but they lined up in run formations and passed the ball. First time all year, multiple tight ends on every play of the opening drive. The Jets were caught off guard, and by the time they adjusted, it was too late. 
The Eagles ended up running 35 plays out of two and three tight ends and only 33 plays out of three wide receiver personnel. It was a bad day for Ulbrich, a good man, an honest man, probably honest to a fault, but a coach who's having a very rough year. So there you have it. Very disheartening with the defense. Offense, you're seeing signs of growth, which is absolutely what you want to see over the final few games. I have a feeling this defense is just going to flatline and not get any better. I'd like to welcome in our guest this week. He's obviously a very familiar name for Jet fans. He played with the team in 2017 and 2018. In fact, he had a really good season in 2017 with 18 touchdowns and nine interceptions. And of course, at 18, he was Sam Darnold's backup. I'd like to welcome in Josh McCown, always a good friend uh, for media folks like myself. Thanks for joining us, Josh. Thanks for having me, Rich. Glad to be with you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I remember we were talking before the draft about some quarterbacks and you were really high on Zach Wilson at the time. And I know you study up on this stuff. You're, you're very into quarterbacking. So what was it about Josh? I mean, uh, not Josh. What was it about Zach and uh, how we related, you know, compared to some of the other quarterbacks and how do you think he's doing so far? Uh, well, I think back in April, the things uh, that obviously everybody was excited about were uh, his uh, his physical skill set, his, his physical gifts. So his ability to to, uh, you know, uh, kind of make every throw that you that you can imagine. And then um, and the kind of progress made uh, from uh, his first year playing to, to second year. And then talking with the people around him um, and just listening to, you know, the kind of kid he is and the makeup that he has, um, that he's going to put the time in. He's going to work at it, uh, which is what it, what it takes in this league. And so um, so I think for me, when you when you when you have the talent, when you show that kind of high level talent that he, he has and there's a there's a drive behind that, uh, I think you you're going to get a high output at some point. Um, so uh, I, I think relative to this season and, and what he's facing uh, the, the, the expectations need to be tempered because he's coming into a, a, a completely different situation. It's a rebuild um, to a degree. And uh, it's a young offensive coordinator. There are a lot of things that they're, that they're, you know, growing together. And so, that, so uh, growing pains uh, are going to be seen um, throughout the season. And then you add the injury to it. And, uh, and so there's, you know, some inconsistency there. Um, so I think that's the, that's the main thing that Jets fans got to, got to, uh, keep their focus on. I think everybody knew coming out of the draft, uh, the guys that were more ready, like, like a Matt Jones, um, being groomed in Alabama, um, being more of a pro style guy. I, I don't believe at least myself, I'm not surprised at the output that, that uh, Mac Jones has had because of the way he played, what his tape looked like. But I think we talked about the ceiling of Zach Wilson. Where can that be uh, above and beyond? And, uh, and that is going to take more time. So uh, I believe you, you, you take Zach Wilson because not because of what you think he can be in year one, but what you think he can be in year uh, three, four, five. Yeah, I think Jet fans are looking at it now, maybe with a narrow scope, and they're saying, wait a minute, Zach Wilson was the second pick. Mac Jones was what was he, 15 or 16 to the Patriots? Why is he doing so much better than Zach? I think some fans might be wondering. Uh, you said a lot of it's, uh, you know, being in the right place at the right time, I guess, is what you're saying. 
Yeah, I and mean, you just said it, Rich, right there. The second pick versus the 15th or 16th pick, you know? And so uh, that in and of itself lets you know the, the records of the teams involved and uh, and the situation. And, um, and let's not uh, take away from the fact that uh, the guy that Mac Jones is playing for, the organization that he's playing for, is uh, quite possibly the most well-run organization that we've seen over the last 20 years in our sport and um, and uh, compiled a ton of championships, uh, has has uh, worked hand-in-hand hand with the, the greatest quarterback to play our position, um, arguably. And so, uh, so Mac Jones goes into a situation where there's people equipped to help him, you know, and, and, and get him rolling. And, uh, you know, chicken and the egg, whether it's Tom or Bill or both, they, they've perfected in New England the, the ability to, to help the quarterback play at his best. And or they learn from Tom about what it takes to, you know, whatever, however you want to couch it, they've learned from Tom what it takes for the quarterback to play at his best. So you took a, a quarterback from a university like Alabama that's that's already in that mold, that's already developing the player uh, at the position the way they want to, and you drop him into a situation that's perfect for him versus Zach comes into a situation where he's he played, you know, a little bit of junior or the year before sophomore year and then and then uh a whole season last year made a big jump. And so he hasn't played a ton of football, but you're putting him with a with the first time head coach, a first time coordinator. So uh the two uh situations are diametrically opposed. I mean they're different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so to to then say we want the same outputs as Mac Jones, I think that's unrealistic. Uh and you really need to broaden your focus and uh and this is the fate of many quarterbacks that are drafted high is they're they're drafted high for a reason because the team that's picking lost a lot of games before and they probably lost a lot of games because their organization is is in need of a restructuring so uh i would not um i would not you you know it's not time to to pile on zach and say we missed it that's that's not time yet you know i think i think this this guy needs a a complete offseason and again the things that you cannot coach, he has. Um, and uh, and so now it's just tapping in to all the other things and putting a stable situation around him so that he can excel. You're the perfect person to, to ask this question because in your career, which has you know, been through many cities in the NFL, you've been around so many rookie quarterbacks. You've been on the ground floor of, uh, of so many developments, including you know Sam Darnold in 2018. Do you think in Zach's case, it would have benefited him to start on the bench having a rook, you know, a veteran guy such as yourself or, or a Joe Flacco of someone of that ilk just to take, you know, to start it off and then bring in Zach a little bit later or, 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 or did you like the way the jets did it by just throwing him into the fire? Well, to me, I think that's always on the organization and the organizational patience that you're going to have with the player. Okay. And then from an organization standpoint, coaching, management standpoint, do you believe putting that player in the situation that he can find wins throughout the year and develop? If you believe that your your growth model, where you are as an organization, is not on pace with where that young player is, then you need to let somebody else like like Josh McDowell take the love, <laughs> which I've you know I've been I've done before. I made, made my career doing that. You need to let somebody else take those lumps. So that they aren't scars on the brain of and, and the and the emotional uh, 
intelligence of your quarterback. You know, they're, 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 he doesn't develop those scars. He can learn a lot from playing, uh, and there's no substitute for playing. But we've seen it, you know, year in and year out over the history of this league of, of, of how young players can get scarred because of that. So that's always on the organization of, of where you believe that you're at and the patience uh, where you believe you are with, with, with your, your growth and the patience that you're going to have with the young player. If you're going to put him out there and you're not sure about your growth, you better, you better have a wide berth of patience because, uh, because there's going to be your mistakes as a team, as a young team and his mistakes as a young quarterbacks. And it's going to look worse than it is. If you say that, you know, we, we feel like we have a pretty good team. Let's, Let's bypass on maybe having a shot at winning nine games with a veteran quarterback, and let's play the young guy. And maybe maybe he grows fast, and we still win nine games. Then then you got to be prepared for that as well. Uh, so I, that's always my you know uh, opinion of it, and, and my impression of it is you have to look at where you're at. It's a sliding scale. You have to look at where you're at as an organization, and can you are you even in a situation where the kid can grow? Because mm-hmm. if you're not, then it, then there's really it's really senseless to put him out there because those reps aren't good reps. Um, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, so absolutely. I think that's the key. And that, like, you know, you talk about with Sam. So I think that's the decision that has to be made. And, um, you know, just looking and not deep diving on their tape, but just kind of glancing over it and looking. I don't know that necessarily that they were in the situation. And sometimes you don't know. Sometimes yeah. you don't think your team is further along than it is. So, um, so sometimes you don't know, I think, you know, Josh Allen, same kind of as Mac Jones, where that was a better football team that he went to, it was a better football team. And then you inserted him and they, they, you know, they took off, they, they had his lumps, but they were good enough to win in spite of him. And now they win because of them. So, uh, so I, I think it's all on that organization. And the hardest thing about New York is in my opinion, the market is so intense, as you said, yeah, that, uh, that the organizational patience is very hard. Yeah. It's hard to have it because, because the fans want it right now and rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought that, and I've, I've said this, I'm not second guessing. I, I've written this many times. I thought the Jets should have gone out, you know, right at the draft and gotten it. Like I thought at the time, like a Nick Foles, uh, I, if you were playing, I would have highly recommended, you know, said you for that position. Um, so I just thought maybe they dropped the ball. By, and of course, they brought in Joe Flacco about a month ago, a month and a half ago to be around there. Now, I thought it was a little too, too little, too late. I'm just curious. I, I thought I read this somewhere like a month or two ago. Did the Jets try to get you to come in this year? I saw I, th- I thought I saw something on CBS. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not uh, breaking this. You know, things get thrown thrown out there. Um, so. Uh, you know, I, I still connected with some of those guys up there and, and have conversations, but I'll, I'll leave that at that. I don't know uh, those reports. I don't know, you know, where, you know, some of that stuff gets put out there and I don't, you know, you never know where it comes from. So, um, so I'm gonna leave that, that there. Uh, but I, I think, I think, so I think when you, when you talk about you, your thought is correct, Rich, in the sense that, uh, if you don't know, in my opinion, if you don't know where you are, from a from an organizational standpoint, where the quarterback, where the young quarterback is, then I think you, you can always go forward. You can't ever undo it. So the kid goes out there and he has two or three bad games and he starts taking these losses on 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 his brain and he's, he's developing these scars. Can you? It's hard to undo it, you know. And that's that's always my concern. So you can always put the veteran out there 
pull the veteran off the field and put the put the young guy. Once the young guy's out there, you can't you, you can't bench him. You can't go backwards, you know. And so uh, so you know, I think you kind of err on the side of caution in those situations. Uh, if you're if you're still kind of in fact finding mode about where you are as a as an organization, where your team is, uh, you know, you know, as far as understanding how good you're going to be, I think you you know you go with a veteran until you kind of get an idea, or that veteran shows you that he's not he may not bring bring any stability, or we're out of the playoffs, or whatever, and now now you can go to the young guy, and then maybe that that young guy's gotten five you know, three, four, five, six weeks to prepare, uh, you know, and see kind of the pro game from the sideline and then and then step in, uh, you know, maybe he has a better chance of putting his best foot forward that way. You know, I think we have we might have an interesting parallel brewing here because in 2018, when Sam came back from his foot injury, you saw his best ball at the end of the year. I think toward the end of the year, he had a really good game against Green Bay and Houston and Buffalo and the arrow was pointing up. Uh, Wilson comes back off the knee injury. All right, he didn't play great last week in Houston, but against Philadelphia on Sunday, you saw some real progress in the first half. What did you see against the Eagles? And could this be a similar situation where now that he had a chance to take a step back, maybe he's going to rise up here toward the end of the year? Yes, I think so. I think, I think uh, again, I, and the, the good thing I, I, I think kind of watching these games with Zach is those reasons that you drafted him, you see manifest every game um you just want to see it more consistently and that's only going to come uh with time and and playing but i do believe when you can kind of uh sit sit back and watch another guy operate in the offense um without the anxieties of playing uh because everybody when you're in it you know, that's why that's why it's so fun to be on the outside and tell everybody what they should do, because when you're in it, your focus gets narrowed and you're trying to operate. Right. And that's that's playing quarterback. And the really good ones, their focus stays wide. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, they're they're, they're po- That's what we call poise. Right. Their focus stays wide and they can operate. Well, as young players, when you're trying to figure this out, man, th- those blinders get on and you're just trying to, you know, like tie your shoelaces and make sure you got the right jersey on, and you know, get to the stadium on time and all those things. And so sometimes you can, when you step back, kind of how Sammy did his rookie year, you can step back and go, okay, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to watch from the sideline with a relaxed mind and I can process football without the anxiety, but I can still learn as I'm doing that. And so that's what I think those times are helpful for. Um, and, uh, and quite possibly took place for Zach, you know, over the course of time, uh, I, I don't know if it's good or bad that he saw three different quarterbacks play. Um, <laughs> maybe maybe that's helpful. Um, but uh, but he can he can continue to develop his own process and and how he's going to approach a week uh, of work and uh, and learn from those guys. Watch how they run a walkthrough. Watch how they they are in the meeting. Watch how they are on the practice field. How they interact with their teammates. What what things are important to them. What things aren't important to them. You know, a lot of times. You know, for quarterbacks, especially digesting a game plan, it's like, well, what do I need to, re- need to really dive into these next three days versus, you know, what are the easy things that I don't need to really kind of burn the midnight oil on? And uh, and so sometimes you, you don't know and you're just burning it on everything. You get to Sunday and you're gassed and, and your mind can't process all of it. So, uh, so I think for Zach, that's an ongoing process throughout this season. And I will say this, that is the one thing to me that is good about playing. 
that, that is good about for, for young players playing is they, they can learn to develop their process in real time. That's something that you don't necessarily get uh, if you sat the whole year. So it's good to sit and watch, and then it's good to get back in and kind of put, the, put that process uh, to practice. Until Sunday, he was really struggling in the first half of games. Like I'm talking struggling to complete gimme passes, like layup passes. And then Sunday you saw three touchdown drives in the first three possessions. Maybe you could explain to our listeners, when you're a rookie quarterback and you go into a game, rookies tend to struggle early in games. What is it about? Is it the speed? Is it seeing defensive, you know, coverages for the first time? Like there must be a million things racing through a rookie's mind when he gets out there for the first drive of a game. Yes, correct. And I think uh, you only get so many reps in practice during the week. And so let's say that you're going to rep this one play versus uh, just pick any cover three. You're repping this one play versus cover three. Boom, boom, boom. And And maybe you've got it once. Maybe you've gotten it twice in a walkthrough. You maybe once in a live rep, once in a walkthrough. And so your brain, everything is ready for that. Okay. And then all of a sudden you're in the game and it's not cover three. What do I do? And and like you're saying, the simple throw is open, but I dirted or I missed it or whatever. Why did that happen? Well, it, it all week I got to throw the, the deeper throw, or I got to throw the 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 you know, this other throw. And instead what was presented to me was, was the the easier throw or the shorter throw or the check down or whatever. And I think for young players, that's the hardest thing is, is being able to go. And that's what I'm saying by the process, your, your preparation process is being able to go through those plays and going, if this isn't open that I've thrown all week, then I, I, and I'm going to this guy. Wh- what does that look like physically for me? What does that feel like for my feet? If, am I going to hitch? Am I going to reset my feet? Am I going to, you know, am I coming through my progressions? What does that look like? And that's the process for a young guy that they have to learn, you know, as they go. And that's what I mean. Sometimes when you watch a veteran, you can kind of uh, learn how to understand uh, that process better because you'll see that veteran not get that throw all week. The defense be different and he'll go, boom, ball goes right down to the check down and he keeps it moving and and he makes it look easy. And it's like, well, we never gave him that look all week, but he, he had, boy, that's experience. So I think for rookie quarterbacks, it's just the inexperience of that. Uh, is why you have some of those hiccups, and uh, and I think through growth and and the, and the learning process of all those things, it gets better. And I think you saw that Sunday was that. One thing I wanted to ask you, Josh. It's so he comes into the league with this. Everyone's talking about his ability to make off-platform throws. He's a wizard, you know, with different arm angles. We saw his pro day where he makes that ridiculous throw off balance, like 40 yards downfield. And now he's coming in here and the coaches are telling him, we want you to be smart and take the check downs. And, and, and Salah calls it boring football. That was the word he used. So how do you balance that? If you're Zach Wilson, it's like, I got here because of my playmaking ability and ability to make off schedule plays. And now all of a sudden I have to try to play within this structured offense and take these check downs and safe throws if I were a quarterback, that like it would be splitting my mind. <laughs> How do you balance that? No doubt, and that's that's uh, what you don't want to have is a split mind. You can't play the position that way. Um, I believe uh, our league. You know, we kind of look around and we fall in love with the with the hot what what the hot sexy thing is, and so Patrick Mahomes is out there throwing it, you know, with both arms at, at every arm angle, like you know, like a dead gum spider, you know, and and we we say, well, uh, you know, that's what we need. We need a Patrick Mahomes, and it's like, well, 
There's also this dude that's 44 years old down in Tampa that's just kind of sitting back there from the pocket, just operating, right? And then we we throw Mac Jones in in New England, and he does the same thing. And so, well, wait a minute. So there's more than one way to skin it with the position. I think you you have to be. Uh, I tell young guys all the time, young quarterbacks, you have to be addicted to the completions. You have to like like Coach Salas says, the boring football. You have to you have to be okay playing that. Uh, and and work backwards from there. Um, we've seen it. I, I think you know, as I've watched from afar with the Kansas City Chiefs a little bit with with Mahomes, where uh, it was. I don't know that uh, the 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 scrambling like that that it's not a plan. I don't think you know you, you have to play, play and win from the pocket. You can't go. We're just going to roll the ball out there, and this guy's going to go go be Zach Wilson um, because that's hard, man. And uh, and if you're going to say that, you better be really good, you know, around him, so to speak. And and uh, and so I think there's a there's a need to learn how to play the position from the pocket, and then let everything else you know take place. Listen, the left guard is going to get beat plenty of times throughout the course of the season. The right tackle, like things are going to happen. Is my point, and, right. and that you're going to get to go be Zach Wilson, and it, it just it just they just do. It's football, um, but. What we what you can't have, and we you know, talk to young players over the course of my career about this all the time, is you can't miss the layups. You can't when when everything is right, when the when the protection is good, you cannot you cannot miss those throws. You can't yeah, in first and second down. You got to have a high completion percentage. Those are run downs. We need to we need to stay on schedule. The ball needs to get put in play and let the guys go play. You can't go. Oh well, you know I, this is the moment I'm going to go be you know, Zach Wilson and, and juke four dudes and kind of throw one down there. Well, you know, that that's not time for that right now. So I think that's the balance. I, I, I know it's hard, but but there's a build up to that. And the main thing that you have to avoid is the player, uh, you know, playing with the split mind. But I think that and I think, you know, Rich, I think that's what makes players special. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we. We, we say this all the time. You look at Aaron Rodgers, um, guys that have, have been, you know, unique outside the pocket. And it's like, well, they get outside the pocket and they make the right decision. They don't put the ball in harm's way. They don't throw a bunch of interceptions. And they just know when to do it. And I think that's, you know, and you can't put a, you know, kind of, you, you can't put a label on that. You don't know what, what, what makes him that way. And, well, that's why we call them great players. Because <laughs> he just knows when to do it and knows when not to do it. Right. And, uh, and I think there's learning that will, that will come with Zach. Uh, as far as that's concerned, um, but he certainly has a skill set to do so. But starting playing completion football and getting, you know, and, and staying on schedule is is allows yourself more chances to to make those extra plays. But you can't go in with a plan. You can't go. I'm going to go be that guy. I just don't think it works. All right. Well, Josh, I really appreciate this. This was great quarterback talk. This was a deep dive into some uh, a couple of quarterbacks, and I can't thank you enough. I want Jet fans to know that Josh McCown, one of the classiest players to ever walk through the door at the Jets facility in Florham Park, was really, really good dude. I know so many players and coaches had so much respect, and uh, people in the organization still still mention your name in, in a positive way. So, thank Josh, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Rich, thank you for having me. Um, I root for the Jets um, every chance I can and want to see them, you know, experience nothing but success. And and I think they'll get it going. So appreciate you having me. Those feelings are all mutual. You guys, you know, people talk about the New York media. It's it's not as bad uh, when you walk in the locker room and see guys like yourself. So, uh, so uh, thank you for that. And I uh, look forward to talking to you again. 
And it's Twitter time, and leading off this week is at Benny the Jet three two six. When will Robert Sala actually take control of the defense? And he also wants to know why does Jeff Ulbrich get a pass? Um, you know, I don't think Sala is going to take control of the play calling during the season. There's only five games left. I think at this point, it's uh, it's really pointless. It doesn't serve any purpose to make that change. Um, however, after the season, I think everything is on the table. Now, uh, Albrecht has had a rough year. Uh, the Jets are going to finish 32nd in most of the major categories on defense. I would think it would be hard for a coordinator to survive that. I think Salah is a patient and loyal guy, but there comes a point where you have to make a change. I do not see any change happening during the season. At Robbie Snyder, what are the odds that we see Mike White start again in the event that Wilson stays healthy but continues to play poorly? Robbie, you're not going to see Mike White again as, as long as Wilson is healthy. The season belongs to Zach Wilson the rest of the way. His development is paramount. It serves no purpose to play a guy like Mike White or Joe Flacco or Josh Johnson. They are backups. They are future backups. In, in Flacco's case, he probably doesn't even have a future here. So unless there's an injury, you're not going to see Mike White again. It's all about Wilson playing, going through the growing pains, and getting better. At Dan Schnock says, the kicking situation is unbelievable at this point. Joe Douglas deserves criticism, but doesn't Brand Boyer share equally? Isn't he the one actually making the evaluation? And this is an excellent question, Dan. Yes, Brant Boyer is the quote-unquote kicking authority in the building. Joe Douglas and the pro personnel department can get the kickers in the building like they did a couple of weeks ago where they had that tryout with, I think it was four or five kickers, and they picked Alex Lexman, uh, Kessman. But you're right. It's Boyer making the choice. He's the so-called expert. He deserves criticism. He has to share in this blame because what's happened even the last few years is just utterly ridiculous. Now, on Monday, uh, ESPN reported that Eddie Panero has signed with the Jets. He replaces Kessman, who replaced Amendola, and round and round we go. At Terrence Begley, NJ, if you're Douglas and Sala, likely having four picks in the top 50, do you focus on making the offense even better around Zach Wilson? Or do you go, do you go all defense to plug the holes in this atrocious defense, perhaps the key to a better defense is not having them play as much on the field. It's a good question. It's a good point. You know, you really help your defense by controlling the ball. However, in this case, I really do see them going defense. Douglas has spent his top resources in the last two drafts on offense with Becton, with Mims, Wilson, Vera Tucker, Moore. All those high picks were offensive guys. He's got to shift the focus to defense. He's got a defensive head coach who is playing with expansion-level talent. He owes it to his head coach. He owes it to the fans to put a respectable defense on the field. That is not going to happen magically. It's not going to magically appear. He's got to use at least two of those four top picks on defensive players, uh, probably more. So look for a defensive-oriented draft. At Sports underscore FI3ND. What's the deal with our defense being unable to defend the screen? Why does it seem impossible that we can't shed our blocks and prepare for it more accordingly? This is an absolute fact. The Jets 
struggle against screen passes. In fact, they've given up 333 yards on screen passes, which ranks 27th in the league. And it is the Achilles heel of their defense. Robert Sala has said that on many occasions. When you play an aggressive, upfield, attacking defense, you're going to leave yourself vulnerable to screen passes. Every defensive scheme has a vulnerability. That is the vulnerability of this scheme. If you're going to play that way, your linebackers have to show awareness. They have to run to the ball. It takes a team effort to defend the screen pass. There was actually one play against the Eagles where they defended it really well. Obviously, they do not do it on a consistent basis. And that wraps up our questions. Oh, wait, one more question. At Boy Green 25, CJ Mosley told the TV crew on Sunday they didn't prepare for Gardner Minshew at all during the week. Is that an indictment on the coaching staff? It certainly raised my eyebrow listening to that comment. That is a fact, Paul. Uh, he told the CBS sideline uh, reporter that they had not prepared for Minshew and uh, they that he would bring a different set of circumstances compared to Jalen Hurts. Now, when I asked Mosley after the game about that comment, he essentially said it was taken out of context. He told the sideline reporter that they didn't expect Minshew to start where he was saying that there's a difference between expecting and preparing for. I think they're splitting hairs. I think they got caught off guard. I think there was a lot of spinning done after the game. They clearly had no answers for Gardner Minshew. And so, yeah, it is it is kind of an indictment of the coaching staff. And now we get a situation this week. The New Orleans Saints are coming to town. There might be a quarterback question there as well. Taysom Hill had a finger injury last week. Maybe his status is up in the air. If not, maybe they go to Trevor Simeon, the ex-Jet, who had a cup of coffee with the Jets in 2019. Maybe they go with him. I guarantee you one thing, the Jets will be doing more preparation for both quarterbacks than they did last week. And that's the end of this week's episode. I want to thank Josh McCown, the ex-Jet, the ex-NFL quarterback, for joining us. That was a real treat. Also, producer Jeff Scopin for putting it all together. Enjoy Sunday's game. Try to enjoy Sunday's game as the Jets play out the string. We'll talk to you next week on Flight Deck. <laughs>